Hi friend, welcome to Valley and View. I'm Betsy and I'm so glad you're joining us for today's conversation. On this podcast, we're just a bunch of regular people living our regular lives, which happens to include shady dark valleys, but also some pretty spectacular views. So that's what we'll be talking about here. The lowest of lows, the highest of highs, and the lessons we've gleaned from the proverbial hike of life in hopes that it can encourage you along your proverbial hike as well. No matter where you are on your journey, we're glad you're joining us on ours. Before we get started, I do just want to drop a little disclaimer. The conversations you're about to hear are based on our personal experiences and relationships. We hope you hear something in these conversations that spark an idea, an emotion, or even breakthrough in some way. But please, do not take our words as gospel truth. That can only be found in one place. So let these conversations enter your hearts and minds, but let the Lord speak to you in ways that only He can. All right, you ready? Let's go. Hi, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Valley and View. Um, I am sitting on my couch this morning enjoying my Christmas tree and have had my double shot of espresso and now I'm sipping on my water. So those are my fun beverages for this podcast episode. Um, but yeah, you heard me sitting here just looking at my beautiful Christmas tree. And if you're like, Betsy, it's only November, I don't know, what is today? 14th, 15th? You're right. And all I have to say to you is September and October for pumpkins and November and December are for Christmas. And we can't, yes, we can give Thanksgiving one day, but why can we not put up our trees? Because who's putting out turkeys? Nobody puts up turkeys. So put up your Christmas tree. Um, anyways, this morning wanted to share, um, kind of some of the things that I have been learning and thinking about, um, So this episode is sponsored by a movie that I saw last week, also sponsored by a story that I've been reading in scripture, and also sponsored by just general thoughts that have been going through my head the past week. Um, So let's start with sponsor number one. Last week, I watched this movie. Uh, I have a little eight-year-old best friend, and um, I take her to school a few mornings a week, and then we, I pick her up, and then we go home, do homework, whatever. Um, but last week, with the time change, I know we lost an hour, but I was so exhausted, and it happened to be that she was also not feeling great, so I'm like, oh, perfect, and I was like, let's just watch a movie, and she said, oh, I have a movie that we need to watch, And, um, it was a movie called the school for good and evil. And I have never seen it before. I am not a huge movie person. Like I will go to the movie theater with Allie maybe twice a year. And we really just go for the popcorn and drinks. Um, and just a side note, do y'all know what we love? We love, sorry, Allie, I'm exposing us. I don't even care. The butter machine. Oh my gosh. I know it is not real, and I know that it is so unhealthy, but it is so freaking good. And we have absolutely finessed the perfect setup for this. We have tried many things over the years, but pro tip, I will let you in on, take your own gallon Ziploc baggie to the movies, dump your popcorn, drown it in butter, zip it, shake it, you're good to go. Just make sure you have tons of napkins, but God, that is making me want that right now at 6.45 a.m. Anyways, 
not a huge movie person. I don't normally just watch movies on my own. And even if I'm watching them, like I'm not generally engaged in it. Um, but this one movie that I watched with my little friend had me so pulled in. There was one point where I was just like locked in, glued to the screen and she was waving at me and she was like, dude, I've been waving at you for like a whole minute. Um, but I was just into it. So here's the premise for the school for good and evil. And if you are a movie person and don't like movies ruined, I'm sorry, I'm going to tell you all about it, but you have the power and the choice to press pause right now and watch it before you finish this episode. Um, but the premise is that there is a school and it is separated into two different schools, the school for good and the school for evil. And it's like on this island and there's a bridge in between. But this is where um, people go to be written into fairy tales. So if you are, if you go to the school for good, um, you generally end up being like a prince or a princess um, fairy, garden gnome, all the good characters in fairy tales. And then if you go to the school for evil, you eventually get written into stories as witches and werewolves and villains and all that kind of thing. And so that's where these people go to be written into fairy tales. And, um, some of these people come from the outside world. I think that's what it is. It's what it appears to be in the movie. But um, there's these two girls who are kind of living in the outside world. Their names are Sophie and Aggie, and they've grown up together. They're best friends. And Sophie has always been the one to wear pretty dresses. She has long blonde hair. She'll go into the woods and like talk to the squirrels and the animals. So very much in the mindset that she is um, like good, a princess or whatever. And then her best friend Aggie um, dresses kind of grungy, a little rough around the edges. People in town think she's a witch and tells her she's a witch. And, um, she's very much in the mindset like, oh, I'm a bad person. Like I'm evil. And so anyways, <clears throat> Sophie always has wanted to go to the school for good. And Aggie was like, Sophie, it's not like a real thing. So in the middle of the night, this giant bird comes and picks them up. Um, and as I just said that, like, I know how ridiculous it sounds, but remember, this is like a made up fairy tale movie. Um, but the bird was definitely giving from what I, the 30 minutes I've seen of Harry Potter, giving Harry Potter vibes. Um, but it comes and picks them up and like grabs them in its claw and carries them away to the school for good and evil. And so this is how people get there and the birds will like drop them at their school. And so the bird has Aggie and Sophie and the bird first drops Aggie at the school for good. And Sophie starts freaking out. She's like, no, 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 no. Like you made a mistake. I'm supposed to get dropped at that school. Aggie's supposed to go to the school for evil. And, um, long story short, Sophie gets, ends up getting dropped at the school for evil. And so they kind of get dropped at the opposite school of what they were thinking. And so the first little bit of the movie is just them trying to convince, um, the headmaster and the teachers that there's been a mistake. They dropped them at the wrong school. And all of them are like, we don't make mistakes. Like you're where you're supposed to be. And so the whole movie is kind of Sophie and Aggie figuring out that, you know, Sophie thought she was all good, but maybe there's some evil in her and opposite Aggie this whole time thinking that she was a bad person starts to recognize that there's more good in her than she thought. Um, and towards the end of the movie, you know, some things go down, so maybe I won't ruin that part for you, but um, good and evil kind of merge together, and Aggie said this one thing that I just thought was just very profound. 
Um, but she says something like, we're not just good or we're not just evil. We're just human. Um, and I was like, huh, that is so true. And I started thinking like, I get myself in the same mentality, um, sometimes that I'm, I'm a good person. Like I go to church, I read my Bible, I'm a youth group alumnus, I give money to charities, I volunteer places, I pray for my friends and my family, like all of these good things. But simultaneously, sometimes even in the same day, I can be like, no, I've done so many bad things. Like I can't be good. Like if people like even knew the thoughts that I had, if people knew, you know, what I did last night, last weekend, if they knew what I did when I was 17, if they knew the way that I treated uh, people behind closed doors, if they knew, you know, I don't know, I'm just coming up with things off the dome, but you know what I mean. I'm sure I'm not alone in the fact that like we have these things on repeat in our minds all day long. Um, I, I hope that I'm not the only one that like has these thoughts on repeat. But um, what I realized I, when Aggie says that, I'm like, oh, I, get, I like I know that's that's true. Like I'm human. I have good and evil within me, but I get stuck in the mindset that I'm one or the other. Like. I'm not good. I can't be good. I don't know how to fully be good or I'm all good. Like there is not a sin in me. Um, and like I said, depending on the moment in the situation, I can just flip flop back and forth between each of those multiple times a day. Um, and I'm such like, I'm very type A perfectionist. And for me, it's like, I keep chasing this facade of being the perfect Christian and like only doing good things. And, um, like you won't be good unless you stop sinning altogether. Like that's the lie that the enemy tries to tell me. Um, and that is just completely false and an unattainable goal. And so then I do sin and then I'm like, well, to heck with it. And I just keep going deeper and deeper and deeper, um, into my sin spiral. And, um, I don't know that, that is just, wash, rinse, repeat for me. I don't know about anybody else, but, um, I was talking to my friend Stephanie on the phone a few weeks ago and I have no idea what we were talking about, but we both remembered, um, kind of that phrase sin spiral, like somehow that got mentioned and brought up. Um, and there was a sermon we both heard a couple years ago, um, kind of to that effect of the sin spiral. And so I dug back in prayer journals past and found my notes from that sermon. Um, and it was on the story of David and Bathsheba in second Samuel 11. So I'm not going to read the whole thing to you, but if you have a chance, um, in the next, you know, couple days, week or so, I would definitely encourage you to go to second Samuel, um, read 11 and 12 while you're at it, maybe pick up 13. Um, but in second Samuel 11, David, and we know that David, um, if you're like, wait, who is David? David is the same one who was um, small shepherd boy, defeated Goliath, ends up becoming king, like mighty warrior, does all these great things. So preface it with that, right? So in uh, chapter 11 of Second Samuel, we see that David is definitely a man that knows both sides of what I was just talking about. Like he has grown up having favor in the eyes of the Lord. And he has just been like, I'm sure he would classify himself as a good person. Um, and then chapter 11, he just sends himself straight into a sin spiral. And um, so anyways, as I was reading back through this, um, I kind of learned and relearned um, some things about David and his story. And 
I just wanted to share those a uh, couple nuggets. But the first thing um, that I kind of relearned, or I don't know, relearned is the best. Like I, I know this in my heart of hearts, but it's one of those things that like my mind can never fully get there. Like I don't understand it or comprehend it, and I don't know how to do it. Um, but that is that kind of going back to what Aggie said, we're not one or the other, we're just human. It's like, just because I'm living and pursuing holiness and trying to follow God doesn't mean I'm not going to mess up. And just because I mess up doesn't mean that I can't continue to keep taking steps closer to God Um, and kind of knowing that he'll take care of the mess along the way as I'm pursuing this holiness um, and trying to get closer to him. And as I read David's story and kind of thought through that, um, one thing that has just messed me up all year long in 2023, sometime back at the beginning of the year, Casey sent me a TikTok or an Instagram reel. I don't know what it was. Um, but I just thought it was really eye-opening and a good analogy of what this might look like. Um, and I, I'm fairly confident I have shared it at least once or twice on another episode, but I'm going to share it again because it's so good. And if I can find it on the internet, I'll link it, but I don't even know how to search for it. Um, but anyways, this TikTok is a pastor and he's telling the story of, um, he was meeting with, uh, I think it was like a teenager, um, who had just, um, decided to give his life to Christ. And he started, um, you know, pursuing, Christ and living that lifestyle. And so the pastor is having this conversation with him and the teenager has questions and he was like, okay, pastor, so I made this decision, but do I have to stop smoking weed? And the pastor says, no. And the kid is like, I don't think you understood me. Like, I I want to be in relationship with Jesus. Like, I want to go to church. I want to learn more about scripture, but do I have to stop smoking weed? And the pastor is like, no. And the kid, I mean, they kind of go back and forth. The pastor keeps saying no. And the kid is just like beside himself at the end. And he was like, okay, I don't think you understand what I'm trying to tell you. If I choose to follow Jesus, do I have to stop smoking this? And he like pulls out a blunt or something. And the pastor asked him, he said, would you get clean before you got in the shower? And the kid was like, well, no, that would be ridiculous. I get in the shower to get clean. And the pastor was like, exactly. And so his whole point was like, when we are pursuing God, like a lot of times we get in this mindset that we have to take care of the mess before we come to him. And that is just not true. I mean, it sounds so silly, but yeah, we would not get clean before we got in the shower because that's the whole point of the shower. And the same thing is true. Like we come to Jesus to get clean and the pastor was, you know, goes on to tell the kid, like, as you pursue Jesus, if this is a problem, he'll take care of it. Like he'll take care of the mess as you go. And so um, I think that I heard it put this way one time that remaining faithful is just pressing forward one day at a time. And I would even take that to be one hour at a time, one minute at a time, one second at a time. Um, And just also knowing that as we pursue this um, like holiness and as we pursue God, just having the mentality, I don't know, it's kind of tricky because like, I don't want to ever get in the mentality that like, oh, it's okay if I mess up. But like, 
it is okay if I mess up. I don't know. Do you, <laughs> I know I just said the same exact words, but there's a difference. Like, I think taking steps closer to God and pursuing that holiness, but understanding maybe is a better word, understanding that we're going to mess up along the way and we're going to have baggage along the way and we're going to pick up that baggage. But whether that's self-inflicted or dumped on us, like we don't have to carry it um, as we pursue him. And so um, just saying that word baggage uh, makes me think of um, like when you go to the airport, one of my favorite things ever is when they will check your bag for you at the gate. Like if you have a carry on and you're fully expecting to have to carry that and deal with it and put it in the overhead compartment, which is always a bear when you're shoved in there. Um, but my favorite thing is when they will check it for you. They're like, Oh, we don't have enough room. So we're going to check it for free at the gate. And it is just become so freeing that you don't have to carry anything. And, I think it's the same thing with God, like all that baggage that you're carrying and you've got on your back and both your hands and you're trying to drag a suitcase, all of that baggage, drop it at the gate, like just drop it. Um, And actually Jesus says that he is the gate and the good shepherd. So (laughs) you can drop it at the gate. Um, But God says, you know what? Let me take it. Let me carry it for you. I've already got it covered. Um, And so I just want to get in the mindset of as I pursue God, that I don't have to carry those things. Like I can let it drop, let it fall off, knowing that he'll take care of it. And, you know, I might eventually have to unpack that baggage with Jesus and trusted community, but I don't have to keep carrying it and carrying it alone. Um, So that's the first thing that kind of came to mind as I reread through David. The second thing is that we are capable of greater things than we can imagine. And we're also capable of worse things than we can imagine. Um, And I read one time this research, and by research, I mean like I read it on the internet, Um, but something like we have, I think it was like 70,000 thoughts per day. Um, And of those thoughts, we make about 35,000 decisions. And those numbers might not be exactly accurate, but I remember it being like almost exactly half of our thoughts end up being decisions. Um, And so as I think about those decisions, um, and especially in the story of David, um, every choice we make impacts us others, or sometimes both. And right now, I don't, I don't know if I ever got to telling you exactly what happened in the story of David. I don't know, y'all. It's early. So sorry if I didn't. Let me just do that right now. So chapter 11, 2 Samuel, David and Bathsheba. Um, Here's the bullet points paraphrase version. So basically, David um, has his armies out fighting. Um, David stays home. He should be out with the army fighting, um, but he doesn't. One night he gets up, he's walking around on the rooftop. He sees this woman, Bathsheba, bathing, um, and he sends one of his guards or messengers. He's like, hey, go get her. She comes to him. He sleeps with her. She gets pregnant, baby mama drama. And then um, because Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, is out fighting on the front lines. And so David calls Uriah back from fighting. And he's like, hey, take a break, go see your wife, hoping that Uriah would go home and sleep with his wife. And then, you know, the paternity, you know, they wouldn't have to go on Mari and figure out who the father was. But um, 
Uriah doesn't do that because he's an honorable man. And so when he comes back, he's like sleeping with the servants outside of the palace gates. And David's like, what are you doing? And he was like, I can't go sleep with my wife when all my fellow men are out there fighting. And David's like, oh, back to the drawing board. And so David gets Uriah drunk, hoping that he would still go sleep with his wife. Uriah doesn't. And so David's like, okay, back to the drawing board again. So he's just trying to like cover up all of these sins. And so he actually sends a letter with Uriah to the commander when he goes back. And to the commander, David says, send Uriah to the very front line. Um, All the while knowing David knows that Uriah is absolutely going to get slaughtered on the front line. And so that's what happens. Uriah dies. Um, David essentially has him murdered. And um, anyways, that that's chapter 11. This is David who, young shepherd boy, defeats Goliath, mighty warrior, king, as has favor in the eyes of the Lord. This is where he finds himself in chapter 11. And so like I was saying, I think I said this, but of those thoughts that we have every day, half of them end up being decisions. And those decisions that we make impact us, impact others, and sometimes both. And it can start out as one little tiny decision, like a decision that you make could be like not even necessarily a sin, um, but it just kind of like snowballs over time. And the way that I think about this, this is one of my toxic traits, but um, when it comes to like keeping my house clean, like I am a neat freak, I am clean, but sometimes I just get in these moods and these moments where I just let it all go. And it like starts out with one dish in the sink. I'm like, oh, I'll get that later when I get home from work. And then it start, and then it like goes to, um, well, I'm not going to take a minute to make my bed this morning, whatever. I'm just going to get back in it later. Um, or I slip my shoes off at the door and just leave them there. Um, and like all these little things, these little tiny things eventually snowball to where I have a giant mess and it takes me an entire day to clean up. Um, whereas if I would have just taken a few minutes to address the mess as it came along, then I wouldn't have had such a big mess to clean up all at once. And, um, as I read through the story of David, I think his, his spiral kind of starts similarly. Like if you go Verse one in chapter 11, it says, in the spring at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. Um, And so here we see David is kind of disengaged from his purpose. He is supposed to be out here with his troops and with his army, but he chooses to stay home. And like in and of itself, not necessarily a sin, but that's how his spiral starts. And then you know, he's disengaged from his purpose, not where he's supposed to be. And then that turns into idle time. He goes up on the rooftop because what else is he going to do? And that turns into lust, which turns into adultery, which turns into lying, which turns into murder. And so it's just like this giant spiral. But as I look at kind of the steps that David um, takes to get himself to this point at the end of chapter 11, every single one of those was a decision. Like David made the choice to stay home. He made the choice to go up and spend his time on the rooftop, which like I said, in and of itself is not a sin. But when he sees Bathsheba, he made the choice to look at her instead of making the choice to turn away, go back inside, like not choosing that. He made the choice to send the messenger to go get Bathsheba 
and bring her to him. He made the choice to sleep with her. He made the choice to lie to Uriah and do all those things. He made the choice to get Uriah drunk. He made the choice to send Uriah to the front lines and eventually have him murder. Like every single one of those was a choice. Um, and I just, I don't know. I, I think about the little small choices that I make every day and how they potentially are impacting me, how they are impacting other people and how they are ultimately impacting my relationship with God. And like I said, even some of these small decisions don't or aren't necessarily sin. But I think if we look at sin as anything that separates us from God, um, some of these things lead us to those things that separate us from God. Does that make sense? Um, so like with David being disengaged from his purpose eventually led to all these other things that eventually led him to be um, separated from God. Um, so anyways, that that's just a thought there. Um, the choices that you make matter. And then the other thing that I kind of picked out of this story of David is that... Um, in chapter 12, I think it's into 12. Yeah, so there is a man named Nathan. He's a prophet, and he's the one that kind of helps David along in his um, journey with the Lord, and um, he speaks to him like God will speak to Nathan. Nathan will speak to David, um, kind of the job of the prophet there. Um, and so in chapter 12, Nathan goes to David, and meanwhile, Nathan has no idea what David has done because David has tried to cover it up, keep it a secret, and that'll preach right there too. Um, but when Nathan comes to David in chapter 12, he's like, there were two men in a certain town, one rich and another poor. The rich man, again, I'm not going to read it to you, but read chapter 12. But basically, he gives this story of um, a rich man and a poor man, and the rich man takes the one little lamb that the poor man had um, and he's like, you know, what should happen to this man? And David's like, kill him. You shouldn't have done that. And Nathan's basically like, David, that was you. And then he explains what happened um, with David. And David's like, oh. Um, and so we get down to verse 13 in chapter 12. And um, actually, verse 12 Um Nathan says to David, you did it in secret, but I will do this thing in broad daylight before all Israel. Actually, that's what the Lord is saying to Nathan, to David. And then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die, but by doing this, you have shown utter contempt for the Lord and the son born to you will die. Um, so speaking of that child that Bathsheba had with David. And so here I think we see that I like like the very first thing before anything happens, Nathan said to David, the Lord has taken away your sin, like period. He's taken away, but by doing this, you have shown utter contempt for the Lord. Like our choices and our sins have consequences. Some of those sins are natural consequences and some are consequences from other people. And, you know, it, I don't know. It, it matters. Like your choices matter. And David definitely sees this. Um, and so for like the next seven days, his child is sick, um, has this terrible illness. And we see David just like go into this, 
I don't, I don't even know how to describe it, but like, I understand what David was going through, like on the floor, crying out to the Lord, fasting, weeping, um, praying for his child for seven days. David doesn't eat, um, in this moment of kind of like desperation. Um, and I'm sure David was thinking like, how did I get here? Like everything was good. How did I get here? And he just, we see him become just so desperate and hungry for God and just like crying out to the Lord, like, please save my child. Please save my child. Like, I'm sorry for what I did, but please just save my child. Um, and it's in this moment that I'm like, in my life, I know it to be true too, that some of my darkest moments, and I think the same would be true for David, some of our darkest moments after a sin spiral often brings us back to the feet of Jesus. Like I know I've been there like most recently, I think it was like in June, end of May, beginning of June, I had my own self a little sin spiral party. And it again, it was just one of those little things that in the grand scheme of things probably wasn't a sin, but one thing led to another thing, led to another thing. And by the end of June, I was just like... <laughs> In the bottom of my prayer closet, in tears, like same as David crying out to the Lord, so desperate. I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like, I don't know how I got here. Um, and so anyways, this is the place that we see David and his son eventually dies. And we see David get up and eat something and he goes on about his business. Um, but what really messes me up in this whole story is that David knew he had messed up. And what he knew, and he also knew like what God had promised him. Um, so if you go back in Second Samuel seven, David originally receives a promise from the Lord, um, and it's verse twelve through sixteen, and it says, "When your this is the promise that the Lord declares to David: When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his." Sorry. I will raise, let me just start over. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod welded by man uh, with floggings inflicted by human hands. But my love will never be taken away from him. As I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you, your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. And so God makes this hefty promise to David. And the thing that messes me up is like, why would God give David such a promise knowing all that he was going to do? Like when I think about that, like God goes before us. He knows what we're going to do before we even do it. Like we we have the free will and the power to make choices. And God knows like eventually where we're going to go and where that's going to leave us. Um, and so I'm like, why would God give David such a big promise knowing all he was going to do in chapter 11? And I, I don't like, I literally don't know how to answer that. Um, but I do know that God says, um, my thoughts are not your thoughts and neither are my ways your ways. My ways and my thoughts are higher. Some paraphrased version of that. I think it's in Psalms, Proverbs, maybe. I don't know. Isaiah, I don't know. He says that somewhere. And um, I don't know why God would give David that promise, but I do know if he said it, you'll see it because he's a promise maker and a promise keeper. And I don't know 
why he would give him that promise, but I do know that God has a plan and a purpose, and he had a plan and a purpose for David, just like he has a plan and a purpose for each of us, and we literally can't miss it, and we can't mess up. Like, yes, we can mess up along the way, but we we cannot, if God has a plan and a destination for us and something that he wants us to do, like we can run away from it. We can hide from it. We can do all these things and blatantly disobey and send ourselves into sin spirals, but like we cannot stop God's plan and purpose for our lives. Um, and so when we read this promise that David was given from the Lord, um, he was speaking of, it was kind of like a foreshadowing of Jesus. If you go to Matthew 1, um, it starts out with a long line, like Jesus's lineage. And a lot of times, I'll be honest, I skip over this part. But in Matthew, Matthew 1, it's this big, long line of Jesus's lineage. And it's like, Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers, blah, 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 blah. And so we see David pop up here in like the 14th or 15th generation. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Love that it actually mentions Bathsheba. But we go all the way down and we see from this long line of which David was in, comes Jesus. And as I read through this, and you can read it in Matthew 1, all of these names, I started picking out names that I knew, like stories that I knew. And there's a lot in here that I don't know and don't know how to pronounce, but of the ones that I do know, I mean, just starting from the top with Abraham, like Jesus literally comes from a long line of mess ups and screw ups and all kinds of ratchetness. Um, so if you start with Abraham, Father Abraham had many sons and many sons had Father Abraham. And Father Abraham also didn't wait on God's promise for a son and knocked up his servant. So he does all kinds of things. And then his son, Isaac, who he did have with his actual wife, ends up being a liar. And he goes into town and tells people that his wife is actually his sister. Um, and then Isaac's son, Jacob, just like his daddy is a liar. And on top of that, he deceived his father into getting the blessing that the Lord had already promised him. Like, and his mom, Rebecca, while he was in the womb with his um, twin brother, Esau, um, she knew that something was going on. Like there was something going on within her womb. They were already fighting each other. And so Jacob's name literally means deceiver. Um, and so you go throughout all the lineage of Jesus. And I guarantee you, if you pick out every single one of these, Every single one of these people have something in their lives, some um, downfall or some sin spiral or something that took them away from um, their walk with the Lord. And, you know, like I said earlier, just this idea of being a good person and a good faithful follower, like we all have our stuff. But like I said, you cannot, if God has a plan for you, you can't stop it. Like he's going to get you there. And we see the same thing for David and with God's plan for you, he's going to bring you through it and bring you to it with his endless grace and mercy. Um, and I love that at the end of, well, it's not the end of the story for David, but in chapter 12, or maybe it was 13, um, we see that God restores and redeems David. And he ends up having another baby with Bathsheba. And that son is Solomon, who is also in the lineage of Jesus. And um, the scripture says that the Lord loved him. Um, it is in 
chapter 12, verse 24, it says, Then David comforted his wife Bathsheba, and he went to her and made love to her. She gave birth to a son, and they named him Solomon. The Lord loved him, and because the Lord loved him, he sent word through Nathan the prophet to name him Jedidiah. And so through all of David's you know, goodness and upbringing in favor of the Lord and through his sin spiral and all the crazy things that he did, like we still see the Lord restore and redeem David and redeem his house and his name and his lineage. And so out of all of David's sons, Solomon would actually eventually become the next king. And he would also go on to do great things for God's kingdom, all the while falling in and out of sin along the way. So my encouragement for you today is that you would just try to step out of the mindset that you are all good or you have to be all good or that you are all evil and all bad. Like you're not either one, you're just human and God loves the humans that he created. Um, And in Ephesians 2, it says that we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And right before that, it says, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Um, And so, like Aggie says, we're just human. And so it is my hope and prayer for myself and for you is that we can just accept that we are human. And as we pursue God and as we pursue righteousness, that we would just allow him to address the mess along the way and to help clean us up along the way. Like I said earlier, you do not have to take a shower before you get in the shower. You do not have to get clean before you come to God. Like just come to him and he will take care of it. So um, I hope that makes sense. And that is encouraging to you in some way today. Um, I have really enjoyed learning more about King David. And so I hope that you will also go again. It is second Samuel. Um, Really, chapter 7 to 13 gives a lot of context for um, what I read today. But anyways, hope all of you have a great day Um, this weekend. I'm super excited. Allie is coming over and we are recording a podcast that we have been wanting to do all year long, Um, but it has just not been the right season, but it is definitely the right season now. So just a little teaser um, and whether you're in the valley at the view or somewhere in between, Keep on hiking and I'll see you next time.